Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Canada, the podcast that gives you access to industry leaders and offers valuable insights for career growth. We will be bringing you monthly episodes that include interviews with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences, where they will offer career insights and key lessons they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions highlighting essential career topics like networking, mentorship, finance, and more. Our podcast gives HPA members a chance to learn and grow together in their careers and their personal lives. Be part of the conversation as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. So don't delay and join us. Hello, HBA members. You are in for a treat today. Welcome back to our podcast. I've been really looking forward to speaking with our guest. She's an expert in creating opportunities from challenges and helping you see clearly through the fog. Over her 20 plus year career, she has developed proven expertise in strategic planning, business development, and program management. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Leslie. I cannot wait to hear more about your company and the insights you have for our listeners. Thanks, Christina. It's so nice to be here. So before we dive in, talk to us a little bit about what you do and the company that you founded. Sure. I am a consultant and a coach that helps people create crystal clear strategies. So you mentioned fog. And often when people call me for some advice or for some help, relative to whatever situation they're going through, whether it's a professional situation in their own career, whether it's not being clear on how to achieve their goals for themselves, or whether it's helping them develop strategies for their teams or for the entire organization. I help them weed through all the noise. I help them see through that fog to develop strategies that are really holistic and crystal clear. That is fantastic. I know you've been involved with the HBA. So talk a little bit about the experience that you've had. Yeah, sure. So I was introduced to the HBA by one of the ladies whom I mentored years ago, and then who evolved to collaborating with me as a consultant, and who is now a dear friend who is on the board of HBA. And she introduced me to HBA. So I looked into the organization. I thought that was, it was really incredible in terms of the content and the support and the programming that it had for its members. Now being a strategy expert and being an executive coach and a leadership coach, the skills and the capabilities I have, they're industry agnostic. And so, I talked to her about potentially speaking at one of the HBA conferences or one of the HBA events. So one thing led to another. I spoke to a few people at the HBA and I ended up being a speaker at last year's annual conference, which was as you held virtually. I also facilitated a learning circle with HBA members. That experience and preparing for that experience of speaking and facilitating these sessions for HBA and for HBA's membership really showed me how valuable 
a professional association can be in helping women see things differently, have access to different perspectives and have access to different opportunities. So that's really exciting. And you mentioned mentorship, which kind of segues really nicely into the first question that I wanted to ask. And one of the services on your website that I noticed that you offer is coaching. So in light of um, that, can you walk us through why coaching is so important and talk a little bit about the value and the impact that it does have? Coaching is so critical. I've had coaches formally and informally throughout my career ever since I graduated from university over 25 years ago. All of the best in their particular field have coaches. And it's a little known fact, actually. Even people like Michelle Obama, when she was first lady, she had a speech coach. She had a leadership coach. Why? Because once you're in a particular role, it's so difficult for you to see beyond that role. That's just how things are. It's you see what's in front of you. And if you're lucky, you have the luxury of time and you have done a lot of reading and you have different perspectives that you've gathered from other areas of your life that help you see outside the current situation you're in. But most people do what they do. They do it to the best of their abilities and they're not able to see beyond that. Like I said, all the greatest athletes, athletes, all the greatest politicians, even people like Tony Robbins, whom you could consider as being the coach's coach, he has coaches. Why? Because the only way to raise the bar on your game is to get help from outside to help you see what you cannot see. So that's why, in my opinion, coaching is important because it's impossible for you to see everything. Even I myself, with so many years experience and having reached a certain level in my own career and with my own company, I have two mentors who walk with me through different questions and help me sort out different ways of doing things. And I use the two very differently. And I actually even get the two together once a year to talk about where I'm going for the next two, three years, what my current opportunities are, what my current challenges are. So I know that's a long answer to a short question. I think the impact of coaching is really significant. All of the women I've worked with, without exception, all of the women I've worked with have improved their own condition through our collaboration. Either they've gotten a promotion or they've established better work-life balance or they've gotten a position either in their own company or outside their company a position that is more closely aligned to their values and what their personal aspiration is. And that's critically important. Sometimes I'll have someone call me up and say, I want coaching because I want a promotion. Let's talk about why do you want a promotion? Why is it so important? How does it fit into your life plan? 
would you take a promotion into any role? We need to know the why in order to confirm that we're working towards the right goal. So coaching, a coaching engagement works in that very precise way. Mentoring is more broad and typically more long-term. What is the difference between coaching and mentoring? If you have an opportunity to have a coach versus a mentor, if you were looking to hire someone and you had limited resources, advise our listeners into the difference when you would use either or both in a scenario. Yeah, there's a very clear difference and that is in the clarity of the goals. So a coaching engagement typically would last about six to 12 say sessions. It's not interminable. It's related to a specific goal and it's very goal oriented. Mentoring is more holistic. So I gave the example of the two mentors that I work with. They know me as a person. And of course that knowledge, that relationship has has been established over time. They know my family, they know my aspirations, they know who I am and who, what I stand for in a very deep way that my coach wouldn't. So I do have a coach and I work with him on specific targeted objectives. When I meet women who want to engage with me as a coach, our first discussion is about are we a good fit for each other and what are your specific goals and why? So if we work together for six sessions, how will you know that our collaboration will have been fruitful at the end of six sessions? And the answer may be, well, I'll have a more well-developed network or I'll have, I'll be able to clearly communicate in meetings or I'll be able to clearly deal with these situations which are more thorny in my organization, or I'll be able to maneuver the organizational politics. So those are examples of what I would do as a coach, specific engagements versus as a mentor. And I do mentor some women. As a mentor, it's more general. It's not related to a specific challenge or a specific problem. Okay, that and that resonates with me. Great to get that difference between both. And now you can see where there really is room for both of those, a coach and a mentor throughout our careers. And yeah, it's important. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so incredibly valuable. And what I find really interesting is that the women whom I've coached will come back to me six months later and say, hey, things that we worked on together in terms of improving my communication or in terms of developing my network, this is what it's resulted in. It's resulted in this specific, I've got this promotion, I've got this job offer, or I'm more at ease in meetings, or people are paying more attention, or I know how to set up the chessboard in my organization better. Those are some of the concrete things women come back to me with. That is so exciting. I actually did my very first mentoring program two years ago. And 
And I was shocked at what you learn and what you can accomplish. But I like this idea too of even bringing in a coach for specifics because we can always be growing. And I think that I like that idea of those KPIs and setting up something that you would say, okay, this is really what I want to accomplish. So in looking at the goals, is it generally something that you want to accomplish in a year, six months? How does that work? When I'm talking with women who want to engage with me as a coach, it's typically with respect to a specific challenge that they have. Most of the time, the specific challenge that they have in the moment is something that's been troubling them or a thorn in their side for a long time. They just, for some reason, things are coming together now Either they're ready to resolve it, they're ready to take action to resolve it and improve the situation, or they have increased awareness and they realize that, oh, this is a recurring issue. I'll give you an example. I have one of my clients who came to me and said, look, I find that when I'm in meetings or even when I'm speaking to people higher up in the organization, what I say is often misunderstood. And that leaves me with a situation where I routinely have to go back and explain myself in greater detail. So she wanted to improve her communication so that it was more crystal clear. I come back to this concept of crystal clarity. It's so important. So we, as we were working together, she and I, we realized that this is actually a situation which has plagued her throughout her professional career. And she's been in the workforce for 20 years now and also through her personal life. So the fact of resolving this problem in this particular context with this particular employer in the particular role that she plays now was actually helping her in the rest of her life as well. I find that absolutely fascinating. And for me, that's the biggest win out of coaching. Absolutely. I'm sure the listeners are identifying that one thing that they struggle with and thinking how great it would be to have someone come in to help you with that. I encourage all the listeners. I'll have all the information for Leslie. And if you want to reach out, please do. I think that it's important to facilitate these conversations. When you're working with a coach, it's important that the, that you have a very good fit with your coach. And a fit means not that you call me up, Christina, and I say yes to everything you say. A fit means being comfortable with, first of all, being ready for the engagement and then being comfortable with each other's communication style. And when I first meet someone who wants to embark on a coaching engagement, the fit is the first thing I look for. I want to make sure that I'm not, that I'm going to do this person a service, not a disservice. And sometimes a person's goals or their situations are not what I can handle for one reason or another. It could be that I have a personal bias, which would lead me to possibly not be able to advise that person properly. Or something else. The point is, when you're speaking with a potential coach, that element of fit and communication style is so important. Because you want someone who's going to be able to help you in the way that you appreciate help. 
And you want someone who's not going to reinforce negative, negative situations that you're living. You want someone that's going to help you overcome them. Is that clear? I feel like it is. And so when advising people to look for a coach, how does that, the process work? It, is it you reach out to have an initial conversation to see if that is a good fit and then go from there? Maybe walk us through if people are looking for a coach, how that process works. Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is find through your network or through the events that you attend, find someone that you resonate with. So I think before we started, I was telling you a story about someone who reached out to me a month ago following the HBA conference from 2021. So she had attended my session and the messages that I shared in my session, which was on harnessing women's leadership, really resonated with her at the time. She wasn't ready for a coaching engagement at the time. And a month ago, she had re-listened to the session that I had given. And the messages that I gave resonated with her. My communication style resonated with her. Uh, my way of answering questions resonated with her. And so she reached out to me. The other thing I would suggest that your listeners do is ask for referrals. Do you have anyone in your network who uses a coach and who's happy with the results? That's a very powerful way of, of looking at it. There's still some discomfort. People are still uncomfortable, I find, in admitting that they're getting coaching help. And I don't understand that, but it's a fact. And so you may have to look more broadly in your network than at your friends and family. You may have to look at your professional associations. Is there anyone in the professional association that's working with a coach? I guarantee there is. And I guarantee there's also people in your network who, even if they're not working with a coach, they may know someone who, who seems to be good. And you can meet with them, have a chat about their approach. I do only strength-based coaching. So that means that if you come to me and say, I have this weakness, I'll immediately ask you, okay, what are your strengths? What strengths can we shore up to minimize the impact of your weaknesses? Not how are we going to improve those things you perceive to be weaknesses. I want to use what you're already good at to help propel you to the next level. I really like that approach. Thank you. And it's really interesting too, I would say that in some cases, somebody's employer through the performance management process, usually your employer will say, okay, these are things you need to improve. And some women have reached out to me to say, okay, this is what my manager sees. And this is what I, is on my performance management process. And in that case, I would meet with the manager as well in a tri-party meeting to talk about, okay, how do you perceive this? What, how, what's the impact of this? It's important to for people who are investing in coaching to be invested in what they want to see as an end result. Do you see what I mean? So if your employer is telling you this is a problem, you have to see it as a problem and you have to want to improve it. Um, and you have to understand the source of why are they telling you that? before working on something which may not actually be a problem it may be only a problem for that particular person because of a, because of an issue that they have 
because of a bias that they have. And three quarters of the people that I coach come to me of their own volition. They're not supported or funded by their employer. Actually, their employer doesn't necessarily know that they're being coached. They're being coached because they want to improve their situation and they don't necessarily want to have it tied to what their employer wants. In a, about 25% of the women I coach come to me because, because their employer wants them to get coaching or because they want to get coaching and their employer is supporting them financially and with time and so on. And in that case, the engagement's a little different because obviously the employer wants to see a result. So we need to work not only on what that individual wants to see as a result, but also we need to work on what the employer wants to see as a result. So those are all considerations that your listeners have to take into account when they're considering whether or not to start up a collaboration with a coach. I hadn't thought about that because I think when you think about coaching, you think it's very personal and that aspect of involving your employer and even potentially reaching out to your manager to say, you've mentioned that I need to work on this. Is there an opportunity for me to get coaching that would be funded by the organization? So that is an interesting kind of approach to also take with your managers. Yes, and I want to say that often companies will offer you a coach from within the company. And that could be a good option. It's not the same as having an external coach. When I'm working with women, our conversations are entirely confidential. And so even in the cases where an employer is supporting the employee financially, and she is coming to me for coaching, I will not divulge any of the confidential information to the manager, even if they send me an email, they want to talk. I can talk in general terms, but I will never divulge any confidential information. It's a little different when you're working with a coach internal to your organization. And I would say it would probably be more comfortable for most people to have that external where you can be honest, because I still think, unfortunately, there's there's that fear of failure. I feel like a lot of people are afraid to admit mistakes. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's, it's a challenge also, because when you're working with a coach inside an organization, people, everybody's, we're all human, people are human. And so you're working with a coach inside the organization, and they may hold themselves to the highest degrees of professional integrity. And they may hold themselves to confidentiality and so on. At the end of the day, they have the same employer you have. And bias is a real thing. It's a human, it's a human condition. They, the coach cannot help but have either pause a favorable bias or a negative bias to one element or another element about what you say or what you do and so on. But generally, organizations will set up with the best intentions, these coaching networks, not realizing the conflict it puts people in. And of course, the coaches internal to that organization, they all engage with the best intentions also. So nobody has ill intentions. Nobody's out to get you. It's just, we're all human and organizations are organizations. So listeners, for me, I would say this is a great opportunity to play this back and listen to what Leslie was saying to say, just to make that sort of point, if they're 
internal versus external when you're looking for that support for the external coaching of how it can benefit you. So I really appreciate that insights and I think the listeners will too. And I want to say one last thing. There's no nothing wrong with having an internal and an external coach. Of course, the if you do that, if you go that route, chances are you'll pay for the external coach yourself. Like I said, 75% of women who come to me for coaching pay for it out of their own pockets. They invest in themselves. And I think that's another mentality we need to change just generally is waiting for the company to invest in us. These women have invested in themselves and they've their return on investment of our coaching engagement is upwards of 10 times within a year because they've gotten a promotion or they've gotten a new role or they have asked for a raise or they have they're being asked to do more projects one of my clients actually improved her network so much she now has also consulting gigs on the side which she does she she moonlights and so the point is we need to change the mentality about investing in ourselves and not wait for someone else to invest in us and having an internal coach and an external coach is so is interesting also because having the internal coach sometimes helps you see things politically that you could not see otherwise. So that's an interesting aspect. And there's nothing wrong with shopping around and seeing, take your time, take your time, unless you have a real critical emergency, but take your time to talk to different people and sort things out and find one coach that really resonates with you. I had a conversation the other day about how it's so important for an organization to invest in their people. And I like though marrying that with, we have to invest in ourselves and be our own best advocate. So I encourage everyone, just like you said, start looking around and seeing how you could benefit from coaching. And I want to switch now to, we've talked a lot about goals and I was on your website and looking at an article that you had done on smart goals. And I was smiling. How many times have we asked to create our yearly smart goals? And yeah. it was really insightful. What caught my attention was the fact that not having the right approach to the smart goal can actually lead to a hindrance of accountability, focus, drive, and collaboration. So walk us through your perspective on that and how you changed the narrative. Yeah, this revelation came to me through one of my consulting assignments last year. So in addition to coaching, I also do strategy consulting with leadership teams and boards of directors. And as I was working with one small corporation, I realized I was getting the same question I always get, which is, oh, we already have smart goals and we're not achieving and people, we have accountability issues and so on. I realized that there is a missing dimension to SMART goals. And actually, I coined the term SMART squared goals, because each one of those letters stands not only for what we know it as specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely, but the letters also stand for shared. So specific and shared, measurable, can also must be managed. So it needs to be measurable and managed, achievable and actionable, relevant and resourced and timely and time bound. So those are up on my website. But basically what I realized through that consulting engagement is that there's a missing dimension. Too often we ask people to develop their SMART goals. And I would say 99% of the time they're developing it themselves, by themselves in their office. 
that presumes that people are working by themselves on particular goals, but that in an organization, you're never working by yourself. You're always either dependent on inputs or you are the input to someone else's process or someone else's deliverable or you're part of a team. So the idea of that other dimension of the SMART goals, the SMART squared, is that your goals have to be not only specific, but they have to be shared. So you, Christina, if you have a particular goal written out in your own objectives, you need to think, okay, who do I share this goal with? Who am I dependent upon? Who should I communicate with about this particular goal so that they know that my success depends on them? Or so that they know that I'm providing something which is which is going to help them along their path. So we have for the M, we have measurable and managed. So often we have something that's measurable, but it's not managed. So what does that mean? You'll have a goal and you'll say, okay, by the end of the year, I want to reach this thing. But you have no way of managing it along the way. So how do you not get to the 11th month of the year and say, oh, I better get working on that? How do you manage it in the moment? What happens if you start working on that goal and it starts to go sideways? How are you managing that? For the A, we have, we usually think about achievable, but there's also actionable. Sometimes I have seen examples of goals which are achievable. Yes, they're achievable, but they're not actionable. There's nobody wants to take it. Nobody wants to take that responsibility. It's nobody's job. So obviously it's hard to achieve if it's nobody's job. So it's got to be actionable. The goals have to be relevant. They have to be resourced. Often, again, hand in hand with goals that are not actionable, they're not resourced. There's a, an empty box in the org chart, or there's nobody whose job it is, or there's not enough money. So a goal which is not resourced properly cannot, you can't be held to account for a goal which is not properly resourced. You might as well take that goal off your list. And then timely and time bound. So it's too sides of the same coin. The timely is now is the right time to do this. And time bound is we need to do this within the next six months. Those are the two elements of the T. So that's it in a nutshell. I've been using this format now ever since I developed it about almost exactly a year ago with this one client engagement. And so far, it's looking like it's a very useful and valuable tool. Absolutely. Why well, I, I was looking at that and thinking, I'm going to look like a shining star because I'm going to use this approach when I look at my goals. But I think that this approach, it actually, it made more sense to me than just trying to look at the acronym and, and figure out where I put my goals. For me, it's a, I'm a big a goal person. I like to have things written down, which I actually, I hadn't thought about this. I do write a few sort of goals that I want to do personally. Do you suggest doing this as an exercise personally and not just within your role in an organization? I suggest doing both, actually. I think both. I think in an organization, if you do this exercise in an organization, at the very minimum, even if the organization doesn't adopt it, thinking in this way will help you communicate explicitly about alliances that need to be forged about resources that need to be obtained, about responsibilities that need to be assigned. So using a tool, even if the organization doesn't adopt it, is going to help you level up your conversations beyond your own team. 
So that's the first thing. Using that tool for yourself as an individual is so valuable, in my opinion, because it helps you get clear on what you need to do, why, and how. So I'll give you an example. One of my goals is, is getting on to a, another board of directors. So I am a board member, and I would like to add another board to my roster of boards. Why? Because I feel that I can contribute something to the conversation and the setting of the strategic direction at that level. And so when I look at how do I, how do I define this smart squared goal? So my goal is specific. How is it shared? My family needs to be on board with that. What does it mean to be a board director? They need to be on board with the investment of time and money that it'll take me to get to where I need to be, to be able to serve on a public board, for example, measurable and managed. So if I say, okay, I want to get this done within the next two years, how am I managing this? What, could I need to take certain courses. I need to make sure that I can self-manage my, you know, my walk towards this goal. Achievable and actionable, that's easy because I'm the one that's uh, responsible for it. Relevant and resourced, have I set aside the amount of time? Have I set aside the amount of money that I need to be able to get what I need to, to do what I need to do? to invest in whatever training I need to have, and so on, to invest in networking. Have I set aside the time and the money? And timely and time-bound. Why is now the time? And well, like I said, my goal is for within the next two years. So it's absolutely relevant. And it, again, helps me think about my goals in a more broad sense than just, oh, I want to get onto another board. And then how do you approach accountability for your goals? I approach it in from by myself. I hold myself accountable. And I know that's one of my strengths. So I can do that. Other people who have different strengths and need or prefer to be held to account by someone else or prefer to share their goals and so on. So of course, my husband, he's my partner in all crimes. He is, he helps me stay focused. My mentors help me stay focused. But I don't necessarily, I don't have these accountability meetings with them or, or anything like that, nor do I with my husband. I do really have one, I have a strategic plan for myself and it's written down. And every time a new opportunity comes up, I look at my strategic plan and I say, hey, does this fit in? Does it fit in with my vision? Does it fit in with my mission? And I do turn opportunities down, whether they be consulting or coaching or speaking, because they don't resonate with my vision and mission. They don't allow me to give back, which is an essential part of my own vision in the way that I want to. So it's, it's different. It's a great question, Christina. And I think that, I think this is where it's nice that we've had this conversation where it's okay to, to talk about coaching and just as it would be to mentor. And if you're someone like me, I prefer to have an accountability. If you're in similar situation, you know, don't be shy. Look for that coach, look for that mentor, look for both. So before we wrap up, what would be your number one advice to our HBA community of women? That's a great question. So the thing I want to leave your listeners with is aside from yes, get yourself a great career coach or professional coach or executive coach, look around, make sure that the person that you're getting to work with you has 
the skills and the experience more so than the credentials to be able to help you walk faster towards your goal. Because that's the key with coaching is you get to where you want to go faster than you would alone. But the one piece of advice I want to leave your listeners with is know your strengths. Think about specific situations where you've had incredible success. Think about how you were able to achieve that success, why it was important to you, who helped you along the way. Think about all of this so that you can filter out from the memory of that great success, you can filter out your strengths. What you use to be successful in that situation will give you clues to what you can use to be successful in the new situation. Now, also be careful about the reasons for your success in a particular context being different to your current situation. Make sure that you filter through what might be a drawback. I'll give you an example. If you were successful as a scientist because you were very, very thorough and you knew all the data and you knew everything there was to know about a particular experiment that you were doing, the strengths that made you successful as a scientist are not the same strengths that you need to be a manager. And they're not the same strengths that you need to be an executive. So when you're imagining your greatest success, you have to be careful also to adjust for the context and get help, get somebody, a sounding to walk you, walk with you towards your next big thing. That is Fantastic advice. I know. I think my mind is just spinning and these really critical insights that you've given about coaching and goals. I feel like I've learned so much. I will make sure that link is in the show notes for all of you guys to check out Leslie's website. And I just want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast. This has been fantastic. It has been great. A lot of fun, Christina. Thank you so much. Thank you listeners for coming on board again today. HBA Canada LinkedIn profile is a great resource for all HBA information and members who want to keep up to date on industry news, events, and perks as we celebrate our three-year anniversary. I want to give a big thanks to our HBA community for listening today. I'm your podcast host and HBA regional leader, Christina Bellier. Make sure to connect with me and HBA Canada on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you have a topic in mind or would like to join us in the podcast, let us know. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and please drop us a rate or review. Until next time, let's push boundaries and rise together.